to you by Project Totem. This is the Hundred Pounds Club podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome to the first full episode of the One Hundred Pound Club Podcast UK. Uh, thank you very much if you're listening, because today we have a great episode in store. For those who don't know, the £100 Club is all about helping people who are in the progress of their weight loss journey, or for those thinking about starting their journey, this is the podcast for you. Now on today's episode, we'll be discussing our relationship with food, especially uh, if you're overweight or obese, because, well, you have a bad relationship with food more than likely. I certainly did, and we're going to be talking about that today. Now, it's important because hopefully by the end of this episode, you might learn why you lean on food as a crutch and why it's not all your fault. So, I'll be breaking this episode down into three stages. The first one, uh, the social stigma around food. Why the big food companies are physically tricking us without us even knowing. And my first topic, which is the basic history of eating and nutrition, which is very important to cover before we touch on the other two topics. So, let's do it. Now, it's important to understand how we used to eat, say, two, three hundred years ago, before we can comment on our change in diet compared to modern times. It's also very important to have a basic understanding of something called macros or macronutrients. If you don't know what macros are, they're basically, if you think that all foods are broken down into three categories, those are carbohydrates or carbs, proteins and fats. So to break it down even further, carbohydrates are the starchy fibre food, sugar foods, all that sort of stuff, excellent for energy when consumed correctly. Those are your carbohydrates. Then you've got your proteins. They're essentially found in uh, meat, fish, nuts, and extremely important for your muscles and strength and growth predominantly. And then you've obviously got your fats, uh, which are found in fatty meats, oils, butters, etc., a certain fats are essential in our diets, uh, and they're very, very good for our bodies. Now, the fats that are classed as good fats are unsaturated fats. These are fats found in fish, nuts, olive oil, and your body needs these. Consume them. They're beautiful and lovely. Then you have the dreaded trans fats. These are the bad fats. Uh, these are not good for you. No, 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 no. Now, they're found in fried foods, processed meals, these deadly fats are slowly killing us via heart disease and other diseases. They're not good for you. Stay away from uh, stay away from trans fats. You also have saturated fats. These are the fats that are good for you in moderation, like uh, you'll find them in red meat, butter, cheese. Hmm, cheese. I like cheese. Do you like cheese? Hmm, I do. Right, I digress. Okay, now we know all this. Let's get back to our uh, journey. Let's travel back, say, two to three hundred years ago and learn how our ancestors would have eaten. Well, predominantly, they would have eaten seasonally. Yes, seasonally. Now, I don't think some people will know what seasonal is because 
well, not they won't know what seasonal eating is because in a supermarket now you get foods all year round, which is quite scary, but we're going to touch on that a little bit later on. But going back, say, 50, 60 years ago, even back then, people were mostly seasonal eating. If you don't know what seasonal eating is, it's basically in the spring and the summer, you would eat the fruit and vegetables that naturally grew in the spring and the summer, like peas, broccoli, spinach, all that sort of stuff. They grew in the spring and the summer. Then we jump to the autumnal produce, like beetroot and cabbage, potatoes, onions, those sort of things. And then as we move into the colder winter months, years ago we tended to hunt or eat our livestock because meat has the essential fats we need to get us through the cold winter months. We store up on fats and those get us through the cold winter months. And that's basically how we ate. We ate seasonally. And we would go back to spring again and around and around we go and that is seasonal eating. And more importantly, that's how our bodies are adapted to eating because that's how we've eaten for thousands of years eating all the macronutrients from fresh, clean foods. And we thrived and survived on it. It was amazing. We didn't have wide-scale obesity in society. In fact, at certain parts of history, being fat was a sign of wealth because you had the money and the resources to eat as many fatty, lovely, juicy game birds and animals as you could because you had the money. Kings and queens would do this, especially kings. If you think of old pictures of Henry VIII and other kings, they were always fat because they had the wealth and they could eat all these lovely meats. Anyway, I digress. But understanding that predominantly that we survived on proteins and fats is important as we move on to our next topic. Now, my favourite topic for all the wrong reasons, the big food companies. Now, it's important to say before I start this section, I am not, I repeat, I am not a conspiracy theorist. Oh, conspiracy theor theorist. Everything I'm about to tell you is true. You can look it up online. Okay, you can look it up in genuine articles. You can look this up. Because the main reason I believe our relationship with food has changed in modern society are the big food companies. Look, in very basic terms, they have made poor quality and unhealthy foods cheap and easy to access while adding shit into them to help them taste nice. It's shocking. It literally is shocking. I'll give you a rule of thumb. If you turn over something you buy in the supermarket that's pre-made or processed, have a look at the ingredients list. If you can't pronounce all of the ingredients in that product, or you don't know what one or two of them are, why are you eating it? You are literally putting something in your body that you don't know what it is. You wouldn't do that in normal everyday life. You wouldn't go around putting things in your mouth and digesting them when you didn't know what they were. That's, that's my point about that. Anyway, this is where the plot thickens, because I'm now going to tell you some of the dirty, underhanded tactics that these companies use to keep us coming back for more and more and more. And it's all down to modern science. Let's start off with the first thing that some of these big food companies do. It's a thing called dynamic contrast. 
Now, I want you to imagine um, a sweet, okay, um, that has a hard outer shell and a soft chocolate inside. Two different textures there, the crispy shell and the chocolate. That's dynamic contrast. And scientists have worked out that our brains like that concept. They like doubled texture products going into our mouths and digesting them. Our brain gets a pleasure response from two or three different textures in our mouth. And especially when it's two very dynamic, contrasting textures, like the crunchy shell going into the smooth milk chocolate, that there is called dynamic contrast and is something that they do to a lot of foods to give us a pleasure response in our brain. This has been scientifically proven. It's called dynamic contrast. That's the first thing that they do to trick us. Now, that's not too bad, you may say. There's others. There's a lot more. Let's move on to um, salivary response. Now, this is where they design foods that are going to create excess saliva in your mouth. Okay? This means it activates the taste buds more, which means, again, you get more of a pleasure response in your brain. Think of things like um, barbecue sauce on your ribs or the caramel sauce on your sticky toffee pudding. When they go into your mouth, they swirl around your mouth, they make you create extra saliva, which activates your taste buds even more, which sends a pleasure response to the brain. And they know this and they do it on purpose. It's a fact. This one is one of my personal favorites. Um, it's called rapid food meltdown. It's ingenious. Okay. To, for you to understand what rapid food meltdown is, let's have a look at a certain brand of crisps that are about the length of your little finger, puffy and with orange powder on them that you can't get off anything, especially your hands once you've eaten them. These crisps have a melty texture in your mouth. So when you put them in your mouth, they melt quite quite instantly. And because they melt into pretty much nothingness, they leave you feeling empty. But you've still consumed the calories, so you never get full off these foods. They melt in your mouth, so you eat more and more and more. And they never truly fill you because they're just melting in your mouth. It's ingenious, isn't it? In all the wrong ways, but it's ingenious because you're just going to eat more and more and more of these foods and put on weight because they're full of calories and it's crazy it's absolutely crazy and they do this on purpose again they do it on purpose now this one is a little bit tricky but subconsciously very effective these big food companies have done experiments and know that as soon as certain sugars and carbohydrates touch your tongue and taste buds it instantly starts the pleasure response in your brain mainly in your hippocampus, which is the right in the middle of your brain. And this is the same part of the brain where we store memories. Now work that out. They are sending a pleasure response to your hippocampus where you store memories. And this is why if you go to, say, a certain pizza chain and you enjoy a certain pizza that you've eaten, this is why in the next day or a week later you go, oh... I could murder one of those pizzas again. They were beautiful because you now associate that taste in your memories 
it makes you go back for more. It's crazy. It's And this isn't just coincidence. This is all thought out marketing tools that they use to get us to eat these products. And I'm not being a grouch. I genuinely am not being a grouch, okay? I'm not saying you shouldn't eat any of these foods. You should have what you want as long as it's in moderation and you can eat what you want. But what I am saying is you should know about these facts before you have these foods. You can make your own decisions. You should know about the tips and tricks that they use so you can make your own informed decisions before you start eating. That's all I'm saying. It's very scary, isn't it? Even the colour of the packaging on these products is designed to stimulate our brains. Even down to the details of the noise of the fizz when you open a bottle of pop, that fizz is actually lab-tested to get the right satisfying sound when you open the bottle of pop. It's crazy. I know. It generally is crazy. Everything is thought about. There was... um. Uh, a story in the news about maybe about 10, 15 years ago, where a certain crisp company that come in tubes, they were lab testing humans with a big, you know, the big headpieces they put on in movies to test all the different parts of your brain. Well, those do exist. And they were running tests on humans, making them eat certain flavors and smell certain flavors to see what the responses were in the brain so they knew what chemicals and flavors to put on their foods to get the best response in the brain yeah that happened it genuinely happened that was a thing it's mental absolutely mental crazy stuff and because of these underhanded tactics these companies use we are like brainwashed sheep that keep going back for more and this is why I said at the start of the podcast, it's not all your fault because your brain is quite literally being tricked into eating this crap, this shit. Your brain is being tricked. And that is the scariest thing of all. And joining with that, the fact that 99% of these processed foods are full of trans fats and other rubbish and shit that our bodies don't need, that is worrying on a very, very, very large scale. And that is going to lead us into our final topic. Now, our final topic is all about society and the stigmas that come with our kind of ritualistic eating habits that we have now. And we haven't even realised that we're doing it I'll paint you a picture. Let's just imagine it's your birthday, okay? What's the first thing that comes into your head when you picture your birthday? I'll give you a second. I'm guessing one of the answers there was a birthday cake, yeah? Maybe an alcohol or treats, sweets, yeah? Those came into your head for your birthday. And why shouldn't they? They're associated with birthdays. You have a birthday cake. You have treats and sweets on your birthday. You have alcohol on your birthday. But if we dig deeper into it, why? Why do we have a birthday cake? Why do we have sweets and treats? Why do we have alcohol? Well, because it's your birthday and you should treat yourself 
on your birthday. You're celebrating your birthday. But if you're having a treat, why do these treats have to revolve around food and drink? And it's not just birthdays. It's if someone gets a promotion in work, you go out and celebrate by having a meal and a drink. If someone has been away for a while or you haven't seen a friend in a long time, you go out and have a coffee and you have a slice of cake. You just do. We have built a society that revolves around celebrating with food and drink. And I suppose there's nothing really wrong with that if it's done in the right way. But we don't always have to celebrate with food and drink. It doesn't have to be the go-to for every sort of celebration. We have to find other means to treat ourselves. Otherwise, especially as overweight and obese people, we use these reasons as excuses to break our current diet plan we're on or the healthy eating regime we're doing. We use these reasons to stop that. If it's your birthday, you're going to munch on cake and sweets. If you, If someone calls at your door and says, oh, I've had a great promotion in work, let's go out and celebrate. And you might say to yourself, oh, I'm actually eating quite healthy at the moment. Ah, don't be silly. Come on, it's only one night. Let's go out and have a drink of some food. Boom, okay, no problem. And you're gone. You're off the wagon. It's as simple as that. And no one says we should do these things. It's just society and the way it's built up now and the way it's matured over the years, we just seem to celebrate everything around food and drink. And it's not really good for us big people because it tips us off the edge a lot. It certainly has done me in the past. And you get those cravings back for those things that you may have forgotten about. It's not good. But to beat this, we have to change the way we think. Now, with the other topics I've covered, there is good news. You can win. If you are at a current battle with your weight and you are trying to do something about it or want to do something about it, there is good news. Let's go back to the chemicals in the brain caused by processed foods. If you stop eating processed foods, then those chemicals and those responses in the brain will start to wear off after about a week, okay? And this is where willpower comes into it. This is a massive part. Probably the hardest part of your weight loss journey is your willpower. Think of it like this. Personally, I can go to the gym uh, for 30 minutes. I can go for a run on the treadmill or I can do some weights. And I will push myself hard for 30 minutes. Okay. Sometimes I don't want to do it, but I know that when I do it, I get that feeling of satisfaction knowing that I've worked out. The endorphins get released and I feel really good for it. But for that 30 minutes, I'm working hard. It hurts, but I'm working hard. But I only have to fight against myself for 30 minutes to get through that exercise routine. If you're battling cravings because of chemicals that have been put in your brain or have stimulated your brain then you are fighting those cravings 24 hours a day, seven days a week, until your brain adapts to not wanting them anymore. And that is the hardest part of a weight loss journey, is fighting those cravings. 
getting into new routines where you don't need them. And you're not just fighting with yourself, you're fighting against these big food companies who are doing their best to hypnotize you into eating their food. But you have to remain strong, because otherwise things are never going to change for you. I went through it multiple times. I have started and failed diets multiple, multiple times. And 95% of the time I failed is because I have eaten some form of processed food, which has tipped me off the wagon. Simple as that. Or I've used a social um, party or occasion to cheat and then never got back on the wagon. That's the main reasons that we, we stop our dieting or we stop our healthy eating. Like I said, these are the worst things to overcome. But I can promise you, I can promise you, promise you, I am 80 pounds lighter than I was a year ago. 80 pounds lighter. And I can promise you that it gets better. It genuinely does get better. You can control your cravings far more the longer you go without. You just can. And I don't completely go without, by the way. I still have the occasional little bit of chocolate, or I still have the occasional slice of pizza, but I don't eat the whole pizza. I don't eat the whole box of chocolates like I used to. I just have them in moderation, and that is the key. Moderation. Well, I hope today's podcast, you've learned something, and maybe um, you want to comment or leave a note or uh, a thought about what we've discussed today. And if you do, don't forget you can email me at projecttotem at yahoo.com. You can find me on Instagram under Project Totem, on Facebook too under Project Totem. I leave all the links in the description below. But on to next week, on to next Monday. And next week's episode is all about health and weight and obesity mainly. And how personally I have found a massive change in my health in a good way the more weight I've lost. You go to the doctors. And all they tell you is, you need to lose weight, you need to lose weight. And I used to scoff until I lost the weight and realized, yeah, they're absolutely right. But we'll dig and delve into that a little bit more next Monday. I hope you've enjoyed. Thank you very, very much for listening. I've been Matt Keelock, and I hope to see you next Monday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the £100 Club Podcast UK by Project Token. Brought to you by Project Totem. This is the £100 Club Podcast. Podcast.